Welcome to the show. I'm Lucas Miles, and you're listening to The Lucas Miles Show on the Edify Podcast Network and also a featured podcast of faithwire.com. Welcome to The Lucas Miles Show. I'm your host, Lucas Miles, and I hope you're ready to fight the commies because I have with me today founder of Young Americans Against Socialism, Morgan Zagers. I first came across Morgan, I believe it was on Instagram, and since then I've been able to watch several of her talks, follow her on some other social media platforms, and I just had to get her on this program to bring her to this audience. You know, I was really blown away very quickly with the intellect and the class with which she dismantles leftist and progressive arguments for socialism. I think you're really going to find some useful tidbits and tools in here to really have some real conversations. You know, we're not interested in weaponizing people against the left. We want to help have conversations to win people over with truth, with reason. And I think that Morgan is a great example of how we can begin to take ground back for the sake of freedom, but do it in a way that is peaceful, that is intellectual, and that really has an opportunity to win over the hearts and minds of those who have been deceived by really the lies of the left and certainly this fallacy of utopian uh, socialist society. And so with that, we're going to have a word about our sponsor... This episode of the Lucas Miles Show is brought to you by Cove. Visit covesmart.com and use promo code LUCAS, that's L-U-C-A-S, for all of your home security needs. And here is my interview with Morgan Zagers, founder of Young Americans Against Socialism. Welcome to the Lucas Miles Show. I'm your host, Lucas Miles, and it is a privilege to bring to you today Morgan Zeggers, the founder of Young Americans Against Socialism. Morgan, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Look, I got to tell you right off the start that I have really enjoyed how you deal and, and kind of address some of these tougher issues like socialism, communism, some of the division that we have in our country. And I feel like, first of all, it works so well for you because you're obviously intelligent. You do this with a lot of class. I feel like you haven't dipped into like the insult culture sort of world that we see so much out there and, and like the frustration and pe- way that sometimes the right has a tendency to just kind of meme culture everybody. And you have really seemed to have risen above that in a lot of ways. And, and I feel like there's also a compassion with how you deal with it. And so uh, how, is that just you or is that an intentional strategy? Let's Let's hear what's going on there. <laughs> well, I've got to say, I think there's a saying about how it's really exciting when someone sees you the way that you hope you come off. And that's always been a goal of mine is to advocate this anti-socialist the messages in a more compassionate way and in a way that's going to open young people's eyes and hopefully change their hearts. And so I always was inspired by this study from Michigan State University that said the most effective way you can really open a young person's eyes to an opposing viewpoint is actually peer-to-peer communication, not from a professor or from a parent. Parents and professors are better at passing down cold, hard facts. And so I really am taking on that challenge. And I love talking about history, economics, policy, finance, all those 
great things that are kind of lacking in the education system. And it all leads back to that growing support for the for socialist ideas, for the collectivist mindset that we're seeing, not only in my generation, but across America. So it's really an honor to be a part of this work. Now, the, what's the newest stat right now for, for your generation? You know, is it 60 percent prefer socialism? I mean, where's that at? Well, so I follow the Victims of Communism poll along with Gallup. When I first started YAS in 2019, it was because I was troubled by the Gallup poll showing officially a majority. So over 50% of young people would choose socialism for the country. Um, there's a Victims of Communism number from 2019 that said 70% of young people would vote for a socialist. So uh, I'm a C3, I'm a 501c3, so I don't talk about elections. But when you vote, you're showing your values. And so 70% of young people saying they would vote for a socialist is pretty concerning, considering socialism has a terrible track record. They're probably just unaware and they don't necessarily want to seize the means of production. So I'm inspired by numbers like that because I don't think 70% of people my age want actual socialism. They're just being a little messy led. I would say, though, I find a lot of hope and inspiration in the recent 2020 Victims of Communism's numbers, where it shows that, yes, the number of Gen Z supporting socialism has gone from 40 to 49 percent over the last year. But at the same time, only five to six percent of people my age actually trust the government to take care of them and to act in their best interest. And so somebody like me, I see that and I'm <laughs> like, here we go. This is perfect time to reach them with the truth and really get them to understand that socialism does not deliver power to the people, you're really only investing furthermore into the system and handing over all control of your life to the system. And you guys, the left hates the system, don't they? It's kind of funny. That's that's interesting. Interesting viewpoint on that, and, and definitely a unique way to to approach that and see that stat as a real positive, you know, thing for the hope of you know, kind of a capitalist free society in the future. Look, I've been to, I think I've been to 22, 23 countries. I've seen the world outside of America, and I know the difference between the free market and and, you know, really some of these uh, these sort of closed systems, forced systems that we see that are out there. You know, I've also kind of written about this a little bit in, in my space. But, you know, me growing up and, uh, you know, I got a few years on you, I'm sure. And the, you know, the words Nazism or communism were almost sort of synonymous when I grew up. I mean, I that was just those were the bad guys in all the movies and all the action movies. That's what we saw. And I feel like that that's changed. Maybe not as much with Nazism. That's still sort of, you know, thankfully hung on as a, as a negative, you know, negative connotation. But we've seen this word communism and socialism change. Why do you think that is? Well, the left pretty much operates in distorting the narrative. We see that where they change the basic meanings of words. And so we can think of justice, progress, freedom. What do those words mean? I talk about this all the time when I speak on college campuses is the word freedom. They're really changing what it means to be free. And I reference a Bernie Sanders campaign video, and I'm happy to send anybody the link that wants to see this because it's kind of crazy to watch. It's a bunch of young people that get in front of the screen and they go, what is freedom? Freedom, 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 freedom. Am I free if I have student loan debt? Am I free if I have high health care costs? Am I really free if I only work my dead end job to get health care insurance? And I kid you not, that's a literal question that is asked that last wow. one. It's insane. And so you would think that maybe this political video would end with Yes, you are still free. We're in the United States of America. You have your freedom. You have your rights defended. But, you know, we have problems to face and let's solve them by working together. 
No, the video doesn't say that. It ends with saying <laughs> you are not free in those situations. Freedom comes from economic freedom and economic freedom comes from socialism, comes from the Green New Deal, from Medicare for all, from free college for all, from student loan cancellation. And so the message there is not that you're free when you aren't being oppressed or held down or controlled by a higher power, by a government, by a system. You're free when you can hand over the stressful parts of life, the responsibility that's lying on your shoulders to some government bureaucrat to a government that is going to take care of those problems for you, then you'll really be free with all that stress taken off your shoulders. So it's just a, a system of our generation thinks rejecting the burden of being and having the government take care of problems in life means true freedom and they can't see the big picture. And so one of the things I do at my nonprofit is interview firsthand testifiers from socialist countries who can tell what it's really like when the government controls things like healthcare and your pension and your job, yeah. every aspect of your life. And it's not just weight lines in healthcare. It's not just higher taxes. And that's something that conservatives tend to usually talk about is they're like, oh, well, we'll wait in these huge wait lines and you nobody wants to do that. And our quality of healthcare will <laughs> suffer. Uh, what actually happens is the government starts to say, you're not going to get your healthcare if I find out you, if I find out that you vote for our opposition, if yeah. you don't show up for this protest in favor of us, if you don't do X, Y, Z. In Venezuela, they have HR companies that will literally track, are you wearing enough red to support the communist ideals of our country? Are you happy? Do you have a picture of Che Guevara on your wall? Were you at the protest last weekend? And if you weren't, why not? So that's the kind of stuff why we can't let government control these basic necessities in life. It's really most empowering when we're able to take care of ourselves and not rely on a government. Do you think that most people your age even have an understanding of what socialism really means? No, absolutely not. And I was telling you this kind of about the numbers where 70% of my generation may vote for a socialist and may be willing to, but 70% of my generation certainly does not want to seize the means of production. They've probably never heard that term before. And again, that's why I'm so inspired for the future and excited because I don't think my generation is actually a bunch of commies. And so what I try to do is I, I use the term we're fighting the commies because I do want to get young people to understand that there are communists and actual yeah. socialists out there who hate us, who do not like our Republican versus Democrat Democrat quarrels. They don't like us because they see us as the same. These are authoritarians that actually want to take over private business and private property. And so getting young people to understand there's a major difference between Nordic European countries that are capitalists with big programs and really high taxes, which leads to problems. And I, we can talk about those in another time, but those are its own problems. It's still a capitalist country with large programs. It's not an actual socialist country where the government controls major parts of the economy. So getting that difference between Nordic Europe's capitalist pro, um, social welfare programs and everything there versus socialist Venezuela is really important. And I honestly think it's the biggest lie in American politics today to say that Denmark and Nordic Europe is socialist. That's, that's a great perspective. And I think that so many people, when they get that question, they try to take, you know, it, it's the pitfall is the moment somebody asks that question, starting to engage it as if it's true, because it's starting with this false, you know, presupposition that those are in fact socialist countries. Yeah. And the reality is they're really not. And I think that's a great argument, a great way to deal with it, because, you know, um, you know, rather than just kind of tackling, you know, what they're what they're, you know, you know, the, the, their way of life there when you have a place like Venezuela or a place like China, you know, that's out there that we're seeing. That's really I mean, that is true socialism, communism at, at the highest level. So um, yeah. let's talk a little bit about um, 
you know, some some policy some policy stuff. You tweeted here recently. Uh, <laughs> tweets always get you in trouble, right? No. Uh, so, so you tweeted recently that AOC is economically illiterate. Okay, so let's let's talk. Which I agree. Okay, but but tell us what you mean when you say that. Yeah, so it's kind of funny. So I'm actually building out um, my own podcast that's going to come out later this month. And, you know, on the board where you can pick the different audio buttons you want to kind of add, yeah. one of the buttons is actually AOC when she says the dumb quote of, I think too many people are trying to be factually correct when they should want to be morally right. <laughs> I think what's happening here is, one, they're either very naive and very ignorant on the issue of economics and on the issue of socialism, or, and this is what I think is actually happening, they know exactly what they're doing and they're intentionally misleading us. And so I, going back to that concept of a leftist versus a liberal, moving forward, we have to understand who's out there to actually implement socialism and who's out there to actually try and make us like Nordic Europe. I don't think AOC is trying to make us like Nordic Europe. I think she's a true radical. And mm -hmm. go, if you think about that Reagan quote, you know, what's a socialist or a communist? It's someone who has read Marx and Lenin, but somebody who's an anti-communist is someone who understands what happens when you implement the Marxist and Leninist ideas. AOC is a member of the DSA. And when you look at these groups like the Justice Democrats, the Democratic Socialists of America, they're the same groups that tell us that we're going to end up like Nordic Europe, that they're democratic socialists. It's right. going to be different time. We're going to have representative government and socialism combined. They're also the same ones who on their website, if you look at the Democratic Socialists of America website, it talks about how they want to, in the end, the long run, take over private business and have it be controlled by the worker. This is a historic term used by socialists and communists, and they say it's going to put power in the hands of the people, that the people are going to control the companies. In reality, the new government that they're putting into power is now in control of those companies, but in the name of the worker, in the name of the people. And so this is like the biggest fight that I get in on social media lately is I try and call out, look at this language of the Democratic Socialists of America. They're not saying they support capitalism. They say they want to end capitalism and get rid of private business in exchange for worker owned companies. What's even more disgusting, though, here we go, Ma Lucas, here we go. This bothers me so much. The website says we don't have a long term plan for this yet. <laughs> to actually implement worker-owned companies because sure. guess what? history shows you require violence to make something like that happen. Right. It's called seizing the means of production for a reason. What's gross is that they say in the short term, they're going to actively work to increase taxes and regulation until they can gain more and more control over these private companies and then have that ability to implement full power takeover. And that's the stuff where it really bothers me because I do believe in, in calling to the other side and saying, hey, Democrats, hey, Republicans, let's come together. And the socialists are making that really difficult by saying that they see any improvement as an increase in tax and an increase in regulation. Because, And I'm kind of getting off topic here, but when you talk about what actual socialism is, conservatives really do cause a lot of confusion amongst my generation by calling every tax, every regulation, every act of yes. government socialism, yep. because Great then point. my generation looks at it and they go, okay, well, if, if that's socialism, then I, I guess I'm a socialist, then call right. me a socialist. Right. That's one of the, the most popular comebacks that I get. And then I have to explain the whole situation all over again between a liberal and a leftist and a socialist versus a Democrat. It's a big mess, but I think at the end of the day, AOC is embracing historic failures of policies and she's not trying to make us like Nordic Europe. And that's clearly intended to turn America from capitalist to socialist. First of all, two points for coming back to the question there. That was, that was really good. So <laughs> I get on a rant about this topic. The the, no, really you should, you should, it matters, you know? And I, I mean, I mean, what I'm hearing and what you're saying is that 
the left or the right really doesn't fully understand socialism. It's it's a whole different thing. You know, I mean, one of the models that I've used in kind of, you know, uh, some of the work that I've done here is that that, you know, it's it's much more of a, uh, a secular circular model uh, in understanding left right politics and that, you know, kind of more of the Reagan, it's it's up and down versus left or right. And, and I think that Democrats and Republicans are a lot closer to true Democrats and true Republicans are a lot closer together than either are, of them are to socialists. You know, one of the things that I watch and I, I, you might not even know this, but I'm here in South Bend, Indiana. So if I lean back here, I can almost see the Golden Dome from my office and uh, at Notre Dame. And, and you know, uh, this is this is Mayor Pete country, you know, here. Uh, I was going to say, so, I've heard that word yeah, before. So, so I've, I've interviewed I've interviewed Pete in the past, um, you know, for some things here in South Bend and. And, you know, met met him a couple different times. I don't know him super well, so I don't want to, you know, over project that. But, um, you know, one of the concerns that I've had and kind of seen how he treated South Bend when he was here, because I saw the crime increase. I saw murder rate increase. I mean, I could take you to west side of South Bend. And I mean, it looks like third world countries that I've been to. And I hate that this is, you know, happened in my city. So one of the reasons I've stayed here, you know, because I have opportunities to go other places is I want to see this. I want to see the city change. And we have some people that are rising up to, you know, hopefully help do that. But, you know, I was watching, uh, you know, Pete, um, you know, now transportation secretary mentioned that uh, he is working with the airlines to require, you know, uh, uh, negative COVID tests for every now domestic flight, you know, not just international flight, but domestic flight. And look, I don't want to make this a COVID conversation because obviously that that's off topic and it's it's there's no reason to go there. But my concern is that, you know, what we're seeing is that through this shutdown, uh, you know, during 2020, and obviously the, the continued stretch of COVID is we're seeing more and more businesses being dependent upon the government in order to survive. You know, do you feel like this is being used as a play? Like, is this a way that now all of a sudden the state is really, you know, starting to kind of continue to bail out, bail out the airline industry, you know, to the point to where now it's sort of this state run, you know, kind of behind the scenes operation. I mean, what level do you believe that goes? I don't want to get into conspiracy theory, but, you know, you're an expert on this. I'd love to get your, your thoughts. No, I, I think it's such an early stage of the conversation, too. And so it's important that we're just talking about this general trend. And it's something I look into it. I, I research it. I try and figure out what the heck is going on, because I, and this is something that I've noticed. So I don't know if you're aware of like the America First people and, and the, there's Groypers out there and there's all these different factions of conservatives. I kind of stay out of that stuff. And I literally just make my videos about history and finance yep. and economics. I have a nice little life. OK, I love it. And it's very <laughs> simple. And so then I go on Twitter. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what is going on? But um, <laughs> I'll post just some facts about socialism, some really basic stuff. And now those America First people attack me for wasting my time attacking socialism when we have problems like big corporate America shutting down conservatives and girls are selling their bodies on OnlyFans. And there's all these new issues rising up. And people are basically looking at the issue of socialism being like, you know what? That is so yesterday's problem. Like we have other things right. to deal with. But I talk a lot about and I've, I've done a few um, webinars and stuff like that of different times throughout history where socialists and really radical extremists use opportunities of, of a crisis or a moment of chaos in a country to rise up to power. And so that's yep. something where I see this general trend and I get a little concerned because we saw in June where, where Black Lives Matter had a really righteous cause and the people who were peacefully protesting had a righteous cause to reform the police. And then Antifa and these violent white people who probably don't give a crap about that issue swooped in and started burning cities. And so that was really upsetting to see. Um, I think we're seeing an unprecedented time though, where we have such an advanced economy where we're seeing massive levels of corporatism. And so you can complain about the socialism and the growing 
um, size of the federal government, of the growing power that government has over you. But then you can also see what happens when corporate corporations are just getting out of control and they're they're almost coordinating with that elite class and so i think that's something we've never really seen before in our world we can't look back to a time throughout history where that's happened and as a little history nerd i'm like oh what's gonna happen i'm kind of excited to see what happens but i I think that's the general trend is it's not just a fight against growing power of government it's the growing power of corporations and so the left uses that against me and they say well i thought you're you know a little miss capitalism what do you have to say about this and then conservatives have their own complaints about it. So I am just sitting, watching all of this going, wow, we are in unprecedented times. I, I think that's a great point. And, you know, I'm my my interest in study has been a lot in the church and church history and kind of trends in theology and everything else. And so, you know, at the same time that's happening, I'm seeing this other side of it where um, the church is getting more and more. I mean, it's no longer, you know, one nation under God. It's sort of, you know, one God under the nation, you know, and that the the state is really starting to, um, you know, control more and more. I mean, we have, you know, we have reports in places like Denmark where there's bills, you know, to have pastors submit their their messages. Uh, that that's been proposed in several U.S. cities in the past and tried to be enforced, you know, um, uh, you know, through local jurisdictions. And so, you know, this this uh, you know, we're seeing just more and more propensity that people are willing to give up freedoms, whether it be to big corporations or to the state or, you know, whatever this is, there's, there's some danger on both sides because at the end of the day, you know, socialism and from my view is when the elite of the state and the elite of these businesses, you know, begin really working together for ultimate control, you know, and, and their benefit. Is that, is that fair? Yeah. And I think the most recent example of that would be Venezuela, where I have leftists all the time that say Venezuela still has private companies. Yeah. Okay. Well, the people running those private companies are just lackeys for the government and and they're best friends. And there's no, (laughs) there's no oversight of these people. And, And that's what I try and talk about a lot with my generation of, you don't like big business. You don't like monopolies. You don't like when people have the ability to exploit others. Guess what happens when you create a monopoly through the government? And guess what happens when the elites and the government hire ups are the ones controlling all aspects of society and the economy. That's the problem that we're getting into. But um, I would say what we're seeing in America right now is that combination of elites taking over way too much power. And we saw where Walmart and the big box stores were allowed to stay open, small businesses crushed, and many had to close their doors. But people who were the millionaires and billionaires made a lot of money and the big businesses made a lot of money. And so I would say this is one of the biggest transitions of wealth. If you talk about, you know, the redistribution of wealth, we saw a redistribution of wealth from the average working class and middle class Americans who are the small business owners around here. All of it shifted to the billionaires, probably in like Silicon Valley and the rest, wherever these people live. Um, and I think it's really a shame. And so we're seeing that where we're giving up our freedoms to the government and then we're giving over our financial and economic power to big business. It's it's a, a troubling trend. So Morgan, uh, we've got a few minutes left here, but tell us a little bit more about, you know, how people can get behind, you know, what you're doing there at Young Americans Against Socialism. Where can they find out more information? You know, what ways are there to, uh, uh, you know, really integrate with with your work? Yeah. Thank you so much for having me too. I think our conversations right now really show how this is such a rapidly changing time. Like, is it corporations that are going to be the problem? Is it the combination with the corporations and the businesses? Is it big business? Is it socialism? 
it's a crazy time. And so what a better time right now than to understand history in, in an even better way. That's it's a big pitch that we give to people is during such a chaotic time. The best thing we can do is to look back at history and learn lessons from it in order to not repeat it. And so we make a lot of videos on history, economics, finance, policy, all the good stuff that, like I said, is not being taught in the education room in the in the education system. So if you want to watch those videos, we have them on YouTube, all of the social media. But our website is fightsocialism.org. And I would just say, I hope everybody out there understands the best way to change a young mind is actually via peer-to-peer communication. So reaching out in a casual, friendly way to the young people in your life and either you talking to them or giving them the videos that we make to help them become more effective pro-freedom, anti-socialism communicators. So we're really excited about that. And we're just going to keep pushing because it's, it's a crucial time for the country. So Maury, thank you for that. And if somebody wanted to, I mean, you mentioned your 501c, is 501c3, is that what you are? Yeah. Okay. So um, if, are you, are you donation based? Is that, is it donor based from all your funding? Yeah, we are. We are grassroots and we are so thankful for that. So if you do want to donate, you could donate at fightsocialism.org. And that's where all of our videos are. We have a great writing program with over 30 young writers. And it's just a really great resource for people who are center left, center right, and just want to understand the issues more. Probably not leftists, but we want to reach all those people who are in the middle that leftists are targeting and get them the truth before the left gets to them first with their lies. Love it. I want to encourage, you know, this audience to really, you know, jump over to the website, fightsocialism.org and make a donation, you know, 10 bucks, $25. Some of you guys can make $100, $500, $1,000 donations and, you know, really help out what's happening here. This is not yesterday's fight. This is today's fight. And it, it goes beyond left and right politics. I hope there's Democrats that are listening to this that donate. I hope there's Republicans that listen to this that donate. And, uh, and all in between, because this is an issue that matters. And it's, it's not just about, uh, you know, whose political side is in office. It's really about changing the fabric of this nation into something that is literally not recognizable. And, uh, and it's important work. So Morgan, thank you for what you're doing. And uh, really, thank you for, you know, taking some time to be on the show and, and tell us more about it. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed today's interview. I want to encourage you again to head over to fightsocialism.org and leave a donation there for Morgan and her team. Also, if you haven't picked up a copy of my new book, The Christian Left, How Liberal Thought Has Hijacked the Church, make sure and do so. It's currently still trending at number one on Amazon. We got to get the word out. It is time to see this generation really come back to their senses, come back to a biblical understanding, come back to uh, an orthodox belief in who God is, and really win back this country for the sake of Christ. Thanks for listening today. We'll be back soon. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app.